0: My name is Adam Roberts and I'm a vocal coach here in the live music capital of the world, Austin, Texas. I'm on a journey to learn the stories behind extraordinary voices of people I know and what makes them unique. Each of my guests has chosen to follow their voice. So this is Cola Voce. Welcome back everyone to another episode of Cola Voce. It is February of 2022, and I could not be more excited to sit down with my great friend and amazing colleague, April Patterson. April, thank you so much for taking the time to be here as a guest on Colavoce. Oh,
1: I'm so excited. Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. Now, April, in the music world, we often use the term Colavoce to mean follow the voice. So as a pianist, as an accompanist, for example, if I see the term colavoce, voce, it really means I'm going to follow the singer in this moment. And in the context of this podcast, of course, voice can mean a myriad different things. So it can mean exactly what it means in the music world, follow the voice of a vocalist. But I think that our conversations on this podcast often really delve deep into artistic voice and how that intersects with our inner voices and how we find those things. So I would love to hear the beginnings of April Patterson finding her
1: voice. Oh, man. How much time do we have?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I
1: would say... So my career started as a manager for my kids and I I love children. I just, I love working with children. I love performing with children. I love like playing like children and kids. And so I would say that in this analogy, my, my voice were like my kids. They were such a good inspiration, not just like my personal kids, but like the kids that I saw working. Um, because alongside my, my children, my birth children. So I think I was so inspired by watching them be so free and turning into the like most authentic forms of themselves and versions of themselves and becoming so vulnerable and becoming these like very mature empathetic beings at such young ages that it inspired me. And I just, I followed that inspiration Right. I just, I was like, I, I want to do that. I want to be like that. I want to be like as free and open and vulnerable and, and loving as I see these kids are who are, who are training in this industry. And so I just kind of followed that feeling and I never looked back.
0: I love that. And I think that if we back up for a second, we should probably clarify that your kids and you now are in the acting industry, right? right. So, so you're talking about managing your kids as actors and also watching them grow up and become the empathetic humans that they are through the craft of acting?
1: It was so beautiful to watch. It was so beautiful and so unexpected. I had no idea what to expect in this industry. And I I would actually go as far as to say I didn't have like the greatest like expectations. I was really nervous about putting my kids in the industry and um, watching them develop With the training that they had made them just such, such beautiful beings and so much more mature past their age that I just, I was like, I I want that, I want to know what it's like to be so vulnerable and open. And so I dove head first, like never looked back. Do
0: you think that there is something inherent in the training of actors and maybe even specifically of child actors that begets that kind of vulnerability and empathy? What, what sorts of things do kids learn or adults learn from acting training that results in that?
1: I think in our training, we learn to shed the representatives of who we are, which I don't think serves us. And, you know, because kids are so young, especially as young as my kids were, they're almost learning to like present their representative, but also still very like authentically themselves. And so when they start training at such a young age, I think they're less likely to start putting all these representatives of themselves because they they are learning to be like true, authentic, empathetic beings. And it just, it's such a good way for them to grow up, learning to tell these stories of other people who aren't like them, so they just grow to these really beautiful beings. That's what acting does to us, and I and I think as adults we have all of these representatives that we put up. Like that, that's not really authentically ourselves, right? So like you know we there's a version of ourselves we put up for our colleagues. There's a version of ourselves we put up for like other mothers and business professionals, and it's really hard to find the authentic versions of ourselves in the mix of all our representatives. And I think that's the beautiful thing about acting is that. We have to be like so raw and, and authentic so that we can tell these stories that it helps us share these representatives that we present in our real lives. I love that
0: term representative, and it's not one that I've heard used in this specific way before. Would you say that you would define a representative as inauthentic or as part of our authentic selves, but not our whole authentic self?
1: say part of our authentic selves. I think there is a necessity for us to have representatives, but I think in a lot of ways we get lost in it. So it doesn't serve us, right? I I think that when we learn to maybe be more authentically who we are in all of the different aspects of our lives with all of the different people we interact with, then it serves us a little better than always having to change who we are in these different scenarios of our lives in these different places where we have to exist and coexist and all that. Now, if we go
0: back in time to your kids becoming involved in the acting industry, what did that look like? How did you come to acting as an option? Where did that all come from?
1: It was not me at all. I actually tried to talk my daughter out of it. Now, Adam, you know me, I, you know my girls, right? I they do. are like crazy, explosive personalities. And so my my older daughter, when she was like a little bit older than my youngest daughter now's age, um, she just was like, she was watching the show and she was like, mommy, I want to do that. I want to be on TV. I want to make people laugh and I want to make people feel good. And I was like, ah, I don't know if that's the avenue we need to go for career. You have all these ideas about what you want your child to be when they grow up, right? And that sure. wasn't it. And you hear, you hear the horror stories, but you don't really hear the beautiful parts of acting and how it can serve you. And so I was hesitant, but there, if there's anything about me, if my child expressed interest and in ever um, nurturing any talents or gifts of theirs, I, I will always give it a chance. I will always explore that to see if, if it's something for them. And, and I will always nurture them And if they love it, then I encourage them. And I'm like their biggest cheerleader. And it turned into something that my daughter fell in love with. And then my son fell in love with. So I was just behind them cheerleading the mess out of it. But also making sure that, you know, they had an advocate, like a mental health advocate and just a personal advocate for all the things they encountered in the industry, too.
0: Now, I know, because as you mentioned, I know your family very well. I know that every member of your family is a martial artist. (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) Yes.
0: <laughs> I am curious as to when that whole process of learning martial arts came in relative to the acting interests.
1: Oh, wow. That's an interesting. One. How did it become parallel to the acting interests? Well, it's, it definitely serves us in our acting uh, careers because people are like, oh, you can do what? Yeah, we need people that can fight and flip and do all this other stuff. And it, at my age, pretend to fight. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can do that anymore, but I can just <laughs> <sure> fake it. <laughs> Good thing I <I'm> know how. Amazing. <laughs> but but this. It was the same story. My kids. Like, it, there's, it, you're going to, like, be like, Abel, like, your kids just inspired you to do everything. And it's true. I mean, like, and I'm so unapologetic about it. Like, as I had kids, they taught me how to live again. And it was so cool. It's, like, the best part of my life. But they wanted to get into something. And and karate was one of them. And they were out there just, like, having fun and being so disciplined and having all these, like, memory skills because they could learn all this stuff. And I was like, oh, I want to try it. And I'm like, the only adult in the class. And then they're... <laughs> out there with these little baby white belts. And honestly, my kids and I have been doing it together since. And we've made it all the way to second damn black belts, which is a really big deal for, you know, for someone my age to go that far. It's definitely, it, I mean, the parallel is that it's, it was inspired by my kids. It was inspired by my kids and, and we all do it together. And so it serves us all in our career.
0: And I imagine the discipline and the physicality and the endurance absolutely. and all of those values. Oh,
1: yes, absolutely. Yeah, It's memorization. You have to memorize, um, like for our second Dan test, we had to memorize about four or five forms, um, not just forms, but techniques, uh, like uh, self-defense techniques. You have to remember old things that you learned way back when you tested for your first Dan. So there's definitely like this discipline of studying and um, engaging your brain to memorize things, uh, the discipline of training. My goodness, there. I mean, especially when you're so exhausted, and it's the same thing in acting. Some days you just you're so exhausted, and you know you have to show up, and you just don't want to. But you've trained your body and your mind to constantly show up. It's all so parallel. Like it's the same thing with martial arts. There are moments, especially when I was testing for my second dan. I was probably so busy and so exhausted. It was during the days of COVID, (laughs) you know? And so there was a lot of mental challenges happening with dealing with all of that. And I had to do a lot of self-discipline because I I couldn't go in person and learn all of these things from these people that were experts at it and had been through the journey already. And so I had to, like, you know, learn in different ways. It It was definitely a mental um journey for sure and i think acting is always like the discipline of acting and studying and showing up it's all the same it's all the same now
0: you talked earlier about how you were concerned like probably most parents are about getting your kids into the acting industry and and all of the benefits that came from your decision to do that did any of your concerns present themselves throughout the process
1: Uh, For sure. I think through every step of this journey.
0: (laughs) What would you say to other parents who are considering this for their own kids then?
1: Well, so I consider myself an advocate for parents, for kids, actors. My kids have been doing it for such a long time. And I wish that I had had a parent who had been through this journey, like guide me through it the way that I've been available to the parents um, of the kids that I teach. So one of my biggest things is to advocate for these parents and to guide them and give them all the lessons learned that we've had. My, My advice to them would be, I think, as parents you know, especially when our kids get to be a little successful at this and start booking, you know, we start to really want them to do it even more. And, you know, we like get that spark and we fire and we have to be careful that that spark and desire for them to be successful is not fueled by us, but by them. Right. So I I, want to encourage parents to always like check in with themselves and their kids to make sure that their kids' careers is not being driven by the parent, but by the child. All right. And then also make sure that they're always checking in with how the kid is feeling in the industry. I I also want to encourage the parents to not be afraid to say no on behalf of their child. So I, I do think that that is a fear. Especially when the kids are being a little more successful, we come across things that don't feel right in our spirit and doesn't, the kids aren't really comfortable with, but we're afraid to say no, because we're afraid our kids will lose out on opportunities and it'll be their big chance and they'll never get another chance like this. And it's not true. It's not true. I, I feel like parents, especially when kids in some ways aren't mature enough to speak for themselves, the parents have to speak on their behalf. They know what's right for their kids and they know what's not right for their kids their career is completely in their hands. They have the right to say no. And I want to encourage parents to not be afraid to say no, especially when it comes at the risk of your child's mental health and even your mental health and your journey together as partners in it, because you are your child's partner and your child's advocate. You have to say no to the things that don't sit right in your spirit. Incredible.
0: And so helpful to any other parents. You are, in fact, doing a certification program right now that is based in advocacy for child mental health wellness, and particularly applying that to, in your case, the child actor industry. Is that right?
1: Yeah, I was so inspired between my journey, that lessons learned that I've had, and how it's made me realize all these things about myself and how I manage and handle my kids and with the pressures of this industry or the things that just come with this industry. And as a coach to kid actors now, um, I come across a lot of situations that were very similar with my journey, with my kids. And I, I see myself and all of these parents who are starting their journey with their kids. And I remember not knowing what the right way to guide their kids. And I remember doing, like, as I reflect back now, I'm like, oh, maybe that wasn't like such a good like way to like mentally support my child in this industry. And so I realized that kids, all they have is their parents in this industry for the most part, or their guardians, Right. And um, in a lot of ways, their guardians don't know how to navigate the pressures of this. And so I was just so inspired with my journey and all my lessons learned to really advocate for the mental health of the child in this industry when I realized that there was just such a gap for that. And, and I realized that nobody was going to advocate for the kids the way their guardians and their parents were. And so I wanted to give them or guide them or coach them in a way that will provide the best, strongest mental foundation to help them with their journey. You know, this is a journey for them and they're going to have a lot of things come their way, good, bad, confusing, whatever. And I wanted to give them the support to be able to navigate that in the, the healthiest mental space that they possibly can. So, yeah. So now I'm doing a brain based neuroscience based certification program, mental coaching program. It's specific to parents and kids in the industry. Wow. Meaning that I will have the basic neuroscience-based coaching foundation, which I can cater to the industry.
0: Absolutely fantastic. And such a huge need for anybody who's not in the industry, as you've just said, I think all of us are aware that the stressors that are felt by kids, when we think about we feel them as adults in the industry, the stressors that are felt by kids have to be magnified um, to some degree, and they do need those advocates. And I think that yeah. it comes with education.
1: Absolutely. Nobody gives you a handbook, you know, and, and for the most part, and I can say this because I am a parent, we're just all just trying to figure it out as we go. And you bring that little baby home. Nobody says, here's a handbook on how to keep, keep from you being like the first 30 minutes of your child's therapy session as an adult. Like nobody, t- nobody tells you that, right? And so you're just like trying to figure it out with all the tools that you got. Um, and then I, I I mean, I'm a true advocate of therapy. I feel like everybody... It should be in therapy to uh, talk through whatever they need to go through. But I also am a huge advocate in like knowing and finding the right tools for like forward progression, good forward progression, healthy forward progression. And that's what I, I want to give to the kids that, that study under me or kids in this industry because I have such a heart for them.
0: And that heart is so evident, I have to say, as someone who works for you. I never have seen you work with kids and not have felt that palpably in the room that spirit that you have for oh. their not only their well-being but their progress and their encouragement.
1: Oh my goodness. That's so sweet. I just I'm so inspired by kids and I have such a heart for kids and they're they're just at a, it's such a pivotal point for like their mental development. You know, if they're going to be dealing with me during this process of their you know that development I'm going to be like, you know, I need to get the right tools to make sure that I'm contributing to a healthy forward motion for these kids, you
0: know? Absolutely. Now, everyone who's been listening has already caught on to the fact that you are a parent, that you are an actor, that you are a martial artist, that you are an advocate. And many people (laughs) in this industry wear many hats, but you wear a a special amount of hats. (laughs) which includes founding your own production company and talk about a voice i want to hear how the production company came into being and i want to hear how that connects with following your voice
1: everything in my life i kind of like fell into like oh let me try this and 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 i had a friend approached me he's a a music producer a pretty successful music producer in Dallas and he wrote this script and he was just like April you're an actor you've been on set you know how to organize stuff hey come on and help me and produce this for me and I was like I'm like such a yes girl not like yes to everybody's request of me but yeah yes I can do that (laughs) so like sometimes I'd be like yes you can do that but that don't mean you have to April (laughs) so, so I'm working on that part of me <laughs> where I'm like, like, ah, yeah, you can do it. I mean, you have to, you already wear a lot of hats. But producing was one that I said yes to. And I felt I fall in love with so many things. And I really did fall in love with like, not just like telling stories, but being a part of creating stories. And from that project that we did, so we did a full feature film with that. And from that project, um, I've had more people ask me to produce more projects and then more projects and then more projects. And um, I realized it was something that actually could contribute to my acting career, because as an artist, you sit around waiting for people to invite you to the table. Like that's like so much of your career as an actor is to sit around waiting to be invited to the table. And when you start to produce your own stuff or being a part of producing things, you get the skills to create a table. And so you're not waiting for opportunities all the time. You're creating those opportunities. So that's what I absolutely love about producing. I I should like let some stuff go. I say that all the time. (laughs) Oh, I don't know if I should. I don't know. I'm like, people tend to tell me like, April, you do too much. And I'm like, I don't need that negativity in my life. I I love everything that I do and I'm going to keep doing it. And in some seasons I'll do more of one thing than the other. And that's totally okay. I had to be okay with that. Like knowing that I'm going to embrace all the gifts that God gave me. I'm going to embrace all these gifts and I'm going to expand on all of them. I'm going to explore all of them. And if I love them, I'm going to do them. And then some seasons, some of those gifts will be tabled so that I can focus on other things, but that's just who I am. You know, I I want to explore every bit of life that's gifted to me, every bit of interest that's gifted to me.
0: So as a producer, I think that, a lot of people are surprised when artists become producers because oftentimes there's this idea and sometimes it's true just like in any field but oftentimes it's not that there's sort of this artist who is not very organized and who is whimsical and kind of lives in their own world and then there are the people who manage them right right. and the people who manage them (laughs) are the producers now Just this past week, our mutual friend Ruben approached you, April, about (laughs) producing a short film that he and I wrote together, started to write together about a year ago and finished about six months ago. Now you and I haven't even necessarily talked much about this film together. I'm interested to know as a producer, how is your artistic voice fulfilled? When something is handed to you that has already been drafted, conceptualized, written, at least in draft form, by people outside of
1: your brain? Well, I think that would be feeding my artistic voice inside by helping other artists do that for them. Right. And, and so you, I'm going to speak on what you just mentioned, that like most artists are just like very whimsical and like lack the uh, organizational skills. I'm not going to say that that wasn't me. <laughs> I'm a, I feel like at, at one season, of like one part of my life, I was very much that way. But um, one thing, my husband and I also own two businesses. And as I've, I've helped him. And I've like had to like organize things for our family because I got three kids. I got a whole basketball team of kids. And so I've had to like keep our calendars together and be so organized and make sure that like I was forced to be more organized than not, than most artists have to do for their lives. And I also went to school for business, which is crazy. Okay, so let me let me back up. I went to school for art first. Yeah. So I, I worked in corporate America for like six months and then I became a muralist. Because I hated the corporate world and ended up making way more money doing murals than I ever did in corporate America, right? So that's a lesson for everybody. There we go. (laughs) Yeah, But because I did get a little business training and because I've helped my husband in his businesses and um, he's very business minded, right? And so I have that. And then like him and I, we definitely butted heads so much when we first got married in regards to that. But I felt like it was something that I had to force to do for our family to function well, for our, to help with our businesses. And so I had to kind of rewire my brain to be able to be a little bit more organized, but also I never let go of that artistic side of me too. So I would say that I'm kind of like living in both worlds. I will admit that I live more into my artistic side. I do. <laughs> and when it comes to production stuff, I have done projects where I've organized the whole thing on my own. I have definitely learned to leverage the help of some very organized friends as well to come onto the team with me. (laughs) So that's helped to have a good team that can help you with that. But yeah, I think I just, I was just forced. I was just forced. And so I still get to live in my artistic world when I'm helping other artists create their vision.
0: And Elise Aaron Productions. That's the name of your production company.
1: Yes. How did that name come to be? It is my grandmother and my grandfather's name combined. My grandmother's name was Alice. She didn't speak English. So sometimes it would sound like Elise. Yeah. Most people don't know that about me. Like I'm first generation on my mom's side to speak like English would be my first language. I know. You're like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then his my grandpa's name was Aaron. So Elise Aaron.
0: Absolutely amazing. And I love hearing that story because my business partner and I have been working with you on some branding things. And so we've been looking at that name a lot. And I have not until now heard the genesis of the name of the company itself. And I just couldn't Mm -hmm. love that more.
1: Look, my grandparents... I would say that they fought really, I'm going to try not to be emotional as I'm telling this story, but my uh, grandmother was full-blood Cherokee Native American. So it was really rough for her. And then my grandfather was, he was a mixture of a lot of things. So it was, it was just a rough start in a rough life for both of them. And they fought so hard. They had so much taken from them so much and I could totally go into the history of all that, but I won't. But they had so much just taken from them. And yet, even after all that, they fought so hard through life to try to give their kids a better life and hope. And, and even with all that trauma, they were just still fighting really hard. So as I've gotten older in life, I've learned to honor the struggle and the fight of my ancestors. And, and that's, this is a way for me to honor them. To say that everything that you guys went through, everything that you fought for is, I'm your legacy now. So, look, I am going to honor you by putting your name on something that will one day be great. And I know in my heart it will be.
0: (laughs) Wow. Wow. Um, With a capital, capital, capital W. (laughs) And that story actually could not more perfectly segue into my next question for you, which is, this of course is Black History Month. It's the month of February. I would love to hear, and of course, this could be a podcast that would go on for thousands of years, so I know I'm asking a question that could not possibly be unpacked in in the amount of time we have left. But as an artist of multiple heritages, as we've just heard, What have you experienced? What have been some of the things that you have experienced both positively and negatively about our industry based on your heritage?
1: Wow, you're right. That could totally be another podcast. (laughs) Well, I would say a lot of the negative things also were self-imposed from my perception of what I would be seen like in the industry as well. So I had a really hard time settling on who I wanted to be in this industry. And I think for a really long time, I was afraid to be like this really unapologetically black woman. I mean, like, yes, I'm a lot of things, but I'm a black woman. When people look at me, I'm a black woman. Right. And so, you know, I had this, you know, kinky, curly hair And I think when I first started in this industry, it was it was straight or I used to straighten it all the time. I went through a phase where I was like, all right, maybe if I just make my hair straight and easy and smooth and more marketable, more marketable was always like the struggle of my acting career. Like, how can I make myself look more marketable? And I'm not necessarily saying that these were pressures that the industry were putting on me, but these are like societal type. I, ex, like, I feel like this is the expectation society put on me as far as like how I needed to enter the industry. And I mean, this could also date back to like, you know, inherited beliefs and trauma, all this other stuff where I just felt like I had to look more like generic. Yeah. You know? And so I have this really kinky curly hair and I was afraid to initially wear it at first. At one point I had straightened my hair for like a whole year cause I thought it would make me look more marketable. And then I got, I got to the point where I was just like, you know, it is what it is. Bump this. I had already I had damaged my hair from straightening it for years and I just cut it all off. It was like an inch long all the way around. But that has always been the struggle of my career. I would say less now for sure, because I'm very much more at peace and um, honest about who I am. And I'm OK with presenting who I am to the world. But that was that was a struggle of mine. And I'd be lying if I say that it hasn't been a struggle for probably a lot of Black women in this industry. And when it comes to hair, that's another thing. We would go on sets and part of me straightening my hair was that nobody could do my hair. (laughs) Like my daughter's been in this industry for years and she's got like a big old fro, you know? It's like curly, kinky. I'm like, you better get a wide tooth comb to make it through that. (laughs) It is thick. And we would get on sets and no one would know how to do her hair it got to the point to where we would go on sets and these like sometimes it'd be like multi-million dollar sets the hairstylist would just back away and be like can you just do her hair <laughs> yeah and no I, and yeah yeah so it got to the point we would always come hair ready because it was a struggle for people to be able to know how to do our hair and even now that's still a little bit of a struggle for us it's, it's less likely to get on set and find someone that that can just like you know, do it exactly the way it needs to be done and, and me feel comfortable with it. Like I don't look crazy. <laughs> and then, and the last set I was on, so I wear braids. I have a couple of looks. One of my look is like my kinky curly hair, but another one is I'll give myself and the stylist a break and just put braids in my hair. So they don't have to even worry about touching my hair. Cause it's just they're braids and they're easy, but there is a uh, one guy that I see on almost all the sets out here. And he's, very knowledgeable about hair. And so every time I see him on set, I'm like, oh, thank goodness. (laughs) But it's it's hard. You know, that's, that's very, that's not often. And as a mother
0: who is an actress, who you've just mentioned these things that you've experienced on, on both ends that way as a mother and as an actress, do you have conversations with your own kids about how their ancestry, their race, their heritage might come up in these circumstances on set?
1: Yeah, we we talk to our kids all the time about their heritage and, and their race. And, and even my daughter, you know, as a, a Black, she's grown into this beautiful Black woman, but she's starting to experience a lot of things. Like she doesn't have a lot of friends. I mean, Austin's like 7% Black already, right? So she doesn't have a lot of friends, especially at the school. She's in the arts and they go to an art school. So she don't have a lot of people that look like her. And so she's had moments where she's just like, You know, like all my friends have had guys be interested in them and nobody likes me. And like maybe it's because, you know, I just don't look like everyone and it it just breaks my heart. And I'm like, baby, you are unapologetically the way you are and you are gorgeous. And the man that discovers you one day, hopefully not till you're 50 years old, will (laughs) (laughs) will be the luckiest man in the world. And so I, I definitely feel like I do have to combat her feelings about how society sees her because different little like micro things that happens in her life. So we have a lot of conversations I, growing up. And I, and I do think it was because of the trauma that my mom endured. Um, because of her heritage we didn't really talk about our heritage we didn't talk about like my like me knowing about my heritage was me experiencing it like you know my grandma was like the greatest cook in the world and she would have all these home remedies and i be like <laughs> oh, I've never seen these type of remedies before you know so that was me experiencing it but for my kids we talk about it so much especially since they don't encounter it a lot in their daily lives And we, I mean, we have a, we're a bunch of nerds. So we have like a library in our house. You've seen it. It like, we turned the whole dining room into a library because of how big of a nerds we are. And we have a whole, you know, Black history section on our library shelf for them to read and explore. And and I I don't want them to learn history from one source. I want them to be well-informed. And I want them to hear Black stories from Black authors and, and even what they learn in, you know, wherever they want to learn Black history from. But there will be a very diverse realm of people that they learn about their heritage from, but mostly from the people who are Black, you know, because who can tell your story and your history better than your own people in your own culture, right? And so historically, that hasn't been the case. So we are, we're very strategic about making sure that they know as much as they can about where they come from. And, and, and what's happened to the, where the people in their own family had to go through so that they can get to where they are. And that brings
0: up a lot about representation, too, in the industry. What is your message to the industry about representation?
1: Well, look, I will say we have come so far, right? We've come so far. And I'm just so happy to be in the world right now where things are moving in the direction that they're moving in. So I'm just so excited about seeing so many beautiful Black women in this industry that are like paving the way for me and my kids. And seeing that is just so inspiring, keeps us going. It makes us know, it lets us know that anything is possible, what we're capable of. Viola Davis is like my acting crush. I love her because she can snot cry. I mean, if you can snot cry, you are a good actress, right? And I. And I just look at her and I just think, oh, man, like one day I'm going to be there. Yeah, you know, One day we're going to be there, Viola. Thank you. Thank you for snot crying. Thank you for being so wonderful. Thank you for everything you do. Because she just nails everything she does. And I just love it. I love seeing her on the screen. I love seeing, you know, Lupita on the screen. I love seeing the, you know, she fights. Lupita's usually a fighter. And so I'm like, look, Soleil, you're a fighter. That's where you can be what, you know, on the screen fighting. And even recently she's had like we're part of this um series that I've helped with called Austin High. And so the writer is a white woman named Kelly Johnson and she um you know she collaborates with everybody on what we want to do and one of the biggest topics in our season 2 that we were creating was making sure that we mention and speak about representation period you know and so there's just so many opportunities to to especially when you're a part of you know being a part of things to to speak on that it's just so inspiring i i'm i'm just so excited about seeing so many people out there that inspire me and my kids so
0: absolutely amazing Now, we recently have started working together. In case you haven't caught this yet, if you're keeping tally, we've just added like five things to April's list of things that April does. (laughs) If you didn't catch muralist, I have to say (laughs) going to April's house is really something because there are a couple of April originals on the walls (laughs) that I couldn't do in 500 lifetimes of my own that April did when she was like two years old or something. Absolutely. (laughs) when I
1: found those like rolled up and when my mom was moving and I was like a full-grown adult with a family my mom had like all of these art pictures that I had done rolled up in this little bin and I had done all of these things like in middle school and I was like I forgot they even existed so I like you know took them and framed them really nice and put them up in my house and people are like you did that when you were how old (laughs)
0: That's exactly what we said when we were
1: there, for sure.
0: Well, recently, you and I have started to work together on developing your voice. And this podcast is called Voce because I'm a vocal coach, right? <laughs> and because mostly beyond that, I'm interested in the stories of how people find their voices as humans, as artists. And I am interested to know... What led you to the desire to cultivate that part of you and your artistry, the singing
1: voice? Okay, so like this is like a little nugget that you need to know about me. Like in my head, I am like a Broadway singer. Like in my house, my kids just look. That's why Luna is the way she is. Don't tell nobody though. But if you put a song on, Luna will like dance and she just performs because I do that all the time in my house. Like, I love to sing. And, like, sometimes I picture myself on Broadway and be like, you know, but it's all in my head. So, like, I already think that I'm this famous Broadway singer in my head. But... so so part of me developing my voice and I did I actually use to sing in the uh, uh, worship team on in church and uh in my head I'm already like oh I'm, I'm this great singer so like working with you is like i should probably really like try to like develop this voice halfway as good as it is in my head <laughs> so, so let me at least work on it and get it the best it could be i don't know if it's actually like i imagine it is but If anybody can get me there, it's Adam. (laughs) Uh,
0: Well, thank you. (laughs) And you have a remarkable instrument, truly.
1: Oh, goodness. That's what you say.
0: (laughs) It's, It's true. Now, do you find for yourself, I know I find this for myself, do you find that each of the media through which you create work, whether that's through film, whether that's through a canvas, whether that's with your voice, whether that's through movement and martial arts, do you find that they all inform one another at some point? Beyond doing something that's actually like mixed media, if we were doing a performance that was like voice and film and and movement and all of those things, obviously, that would be one way. But Beyond that, do you find inspiration when you are working on a film, for example, yes, and okay. have ideas based on your visual art experience and, and et cetera?
1: Yeah, I, I think that in a lot of ways, each one of my disciplines inspire each other. Like I could be working on a project and then like be like, well you know, I can do, I can incorporate this discipline. And, you know, my movements in martial arts and my focus and concentration, I will implement those things in my acting discipline. So like I do, I do feel like in some ways I'll do one thing and I feel really inspired by another discipline that I do to incorporate that into like my current thing that I'm doing. And do you still
0: do visual arts ever? Do you still draw and paint and do those
1: things? I do very sparingly. Like I used to do it as a business and when I was a muralist. And when I did that, my two older kids were very young and being a muralist is like very physically intense. And so it was hard on my body, but also I was spending hours and hours and hours away from these little babies too. And I just didn't want to do that. And it, it did take a little bit of the joy out of it. So when I do it now, I only do it to gift people and I don't really charge. So it has to be a really, really special. So time I'll be inspecting my mural <laughs> in 2024. You know, lately, lately with the NFT stuff, I'm like, I need to do this again for it. <laughs> for real and make some money so you know I'm always like I'm like squirrel because I did see like one of my other friends he's an artist and I'm I was so inspired by how he's like you know making this his artistry his livelihood and I was like man I can do that let me get it and I'm like nope bring it back April (laughs) bring it you've got your hands full how about you just paint when you have a stressful day and don't even worry about making money off of it
0: Well, our conversation started with your kids. They, the, Your kids were the ones who led you in many ways to so many of the passions that you have and finding your own voice and following your own voice and theirs. So I'd like to bring our conversation to a close in a full circle way and ask you what it is like to be part of a family who does so much together in this way. There is a water park. I think of the story. There's a water park here in Austin, for those who are outside of Austin, that's up in the north of the city, that your family did a whole... (laughs) <laughs> every every member of your family was involved in this commercial where they like gave you phones or GoPros or something, right? And, said, and told go us to
1: be, be ourselves. It. They messed up. They said, go be yourself. And I was like, y'all sure about that? <laughs> <laughs> and that,
0: that commercial was amazing.
1: <laughs> is it
0: like the family that plays together is, you know, what is it like? That's exactly it.
1: That's exactly it. The family that plays together stays together. And I'm not saying that we haven't had our family struggles for sure. What family doesn't? But I think it has been us being so connected through the things that we do that has kept us together and and even in moments brought us back together. And I just, I love it. I love kind of experiencing life through the eyes and the activities that my kids do, because I love doing those things. And it, it's almost like I feel like in a lot of ways I was fearful of really pursuing all of these passions and dreams. I was worried about what people would think if I did all these things, and maybe even worried about failing at it. Because I, you know, my kids and I took music lessons together. Where we, my daughter and I, play guitar. My son plays piano, and we had like a little. We would do the recital, and I was the only adult. And we had like a little fan. Our teacher would make us do like a song, and so we had like a little family band every year at this recital. And so, so these are all like things that I. I really wanted to do, but I don't know if my like my little teenage and young heart was too afraid of failure. And now I'm like I'm just so inspired by my kids' willingness to do these things. I just hop on it with them, and it's so fun. It's so fun. Like we just have such a good time together. And I, if you haven't noticed by now, we are like a hot mess. Silly, like <laughs> we're I'm like silly, silly, like crazy with each other, and. It's just, it's like the best part of life right now is to just be with my family in everything that we do and just have fun together. We make everything we do a party. And I don't know, it it really is a family. We have, we used to say a family that fights together, stay together because we did martial arts. And now I'm like, we do so much together. It really is a family that plays together, stays together. And we're all really, really close I would say that my daughter talks to me about so much and she would, she'll look at me and say, you know, my friends never talk to their moms about stuff like this. And I think it's because we do spend so much time living life and playing together, you know, that we can have that re- relationship. Well, and I also
0: met you through your son on the other side of the yeah. Zoom screen because <laughs> we were doing some coaching for his voice. And so I got led to you and to a beautiful friendship and to a wonderful colleague and to someone who I am so honored to know April. I believe mm-hmm. that God has connected us in a very special way. And I am just so thankful that you and your family are now a part of my life. And I want to thank you for the inspirational voice that you put out there into the world, because there's not a minute that I spend with you that I don't feel it.
1: Oh, my goodness. Are you trying to make me cry up in here? I sure <laughs> am. No, you, you know, like I'm a big cry baby. All I do is cry. <laughs>
0: Well, we'll just call you Viola because that's where we're going. There you go. You
1: learned from the so absolute,
0: absolute best. If I, if
1: I did, it, if I could just get the smack crowd to go with it, I'm golden. I can play her sister. Come on, Viola. You listening?
0: <laughs> there we go. There we go. I just love it. And I love that you took the time to sit down and to share what you have today. And I I couldn't be more inspired and more motivated. And, And I thank you for sharing these stories and for being who you are.
1: Oh, thank you so much. I am so honored that you asked me to do this. I was just like uh, so excited. I couldn't control my excitement all day today. Like, oh, is it time? Is it time? Is it time? You know, I'm a big kid. So I was just like so excited and ready to do this with you. So I'm I'm so honored. Thank you. Well, thank
0: you. And we will be back in March with another episode looking at another voice in voce. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining me on today's episode of Cola Voce. And until next time, remember, follow your heart and follow your voice.